Hey there, I'm Brad Feld, co-host of the Give First podcast, along with David Cohen. In this podcast, we talk about mentors and entrepreneurs in the startup world and discuss the concept of Give First, which means being willing to help other people without an expectation of return. It's not altruism. You do expect to get something back, but you just don't know when, from whom, and what consideration over what time period. Stay tuned for some great stories from some outstanding entrepreneurs about how making Give First makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities and some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Nailed it. Ooh, it's a special episode of Give First. It's just me and you, Brad. We're the guests today. Really? Okay. Isn't that cool? <laughs> it's awesome. It's almost as if we're interesting enough to be the guests. Yeah, I hope people continue to listen past uh, the 32nd mark of this podcast. Right. This is, we figured every, I don't know, five or six shows, I think we've done six so far. We'll kind of riff about them, talk about them, uh, share our takeaways, and maybe some of our own relevant stories to what we heard from those amazing guests. Do I have to laugh at your jokes? No, it's optional. Always optional. Um, let's see. So what are you up to? What's new with you? I am sitting in Aspen, looking out the window at beautiful Colorado mountains. Good. Oh, yes. And then on the work front, uh, there is an enormous amount of stuff flying around right now because I think anybody that's in the entrepreneurial world knows that it's a very transaction-heavy time for some reason. Which can be good or bad. Or both. Yeah. For me, I'm uh, getting ready to head out to Europe. I'm actually, right after we record this, i am uh, got one of those long flights where you know you empty your inbox. So I'm excited about that. Which country is Europe in? Europe is uh, in the country of Europe, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's far. It's far. But, you know, heading over to uh, Greece, actually, for a little bit. Cool. Have fun. Yeah. So uh, six shows we've done so far. Um, The first episode was the wonderful uh, Miss Wendy Lee, uh, who what I remember from that show is Wendy talking about uh, the risk of saying no. Right, you have all these opportunities, and you think about the risk of saying yes. But it sort of stuck with me that you know, actually, not doing something is a pretty big risk sometimes too. Having known Wendy now for twenty years since I first met her when she had moved to Boulder, um, I think she had left. Uh, she left Siebel Systems by then. One of the things that's amazing when you listen to Wendy talk is the level of humility she has with her journey. Uh, which is something else that I find really re- refreshing for many people in mentorship role, roles where they're always still learning. And even you know when she was describing the anecdote uh, about saying no, it almost sounded like she was relearning it again, which, which made me smile. I really liked it. Yeah, it's been uh, really fantastic to have her around Techstars on, on, on the board uh, for many years. And um, I know I learned a lot from her too. So uh, if you haven't caught that episode, definitely would uh, recommend you go check it out. But you know, Wendy's seen so many different things in her career, right? She's been in the big companies and little companies, and I think her perspective is is super interesting. 
I think I think the ge- geographic perspective is useful too because her range of experiences and where she's really spent her time, you know, today in in Colorado again, but you know, a long tour of duty uh, in Cincinnati with Centrifuge, and then prior to that, uh, a bunch of time in the Bay Area, and so the ability to really you know get a view of entrepreneurship from multiple different startup communities is powerful. Uh, the other thing I'd say about the episode, since it was our first, is. I've been reflecting as I as I listen to each episode. Um, the, the, when we did Wendy's, it was literally the very first time you and I had done a podcast together. We've both been on lots of podcasts, but being in the hosting shoes is a totally different thing. And as I listened to it, uh, I cringed some uh, with our own uh, performance and sort of our stiffness around it. And my sense that we probably have to do 20 or 30 episodes before we really hit our stride. And that that's a powerful thing to remember when you're trying something new, even if you have had a lot of success and done a lot of different things and been in a lot of different contexts. And so approaching this whole podcast thing with beginner's mind was, uh, I was reminded of that when I listened to the one we did with Wendy. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. Like the sixth one was better than the first one, but probably still not good. So we're figuring it out. Um, and, and we do have an email address, uh, podcasts at techstars.com. People have been sending us feedback, you know, do more like that or less like that. Uh, stop telling dad jokes, Cohen, they say things like that. Um, but you know, that's how you learn. So hopefully we'll keep improving it. And I agree it's going to be 30, maybe 50 before we really get our rhythm and, uh, trying to learn from the best, right? We're taking some notes from, uh, from Harry Stebbings and doing more research about the guests ahead of time and really getting, you know, more questions to ask them. I think we did well with that with TA McCann, for example, uh, to get Bruce uh, Necht, who wrote the book uh, that TA was in, to sort of ask some questions that were really, really relevant. So uh, we'd love more feedback at podcast.techstars.com. Big, big, big uh, call out to Casey as well, who's uh, our, I don't know what the right word is, but the person who is making all of this happen on the Techstar side, uh, production executive coordinator. How's that? I just made that up. She's the CEO of the podcast. But uh, Casey, uh, if you're listening, you're doing awesome, helping us not be terrible. She is doing awesome. Um, in fact, I just recorded a nice new legal intro for her and mentioned her that she was making me do it. So that was fun too. In episode two, we had Paul Berberian, uh, who we've both known for a long time, um, about how mentoring can really feel addictive uh, and what mentors and mentees really get out of it without even realizing it. And what stuck with me was like hearing his stories about his dad, um, how his dad was an entrepreneur and he just sort of was always around that. And that resonated with me because that was the same way in my family. Paul and I worked on the very first investment I made from the prior firm I was part of, uh, originally Slapping Technology Ventures, uh, which then became called Mobius Venture Capital. It's a company called Raindance. So we both got to work together at the beginning of our journey. Uh, We are both working together today on Paul's company, uh, Sphero, uh, which is uh, was a TechStars company, I think, in the third TechStars program in Boulder. One of the things that's been interesting about Paul and my own experience with them working together is it's the epitome for me of peer mentorship. Uh, I feel like over the years I've learned as much from Paul as I imagine that he's learned from me. And I, I can't actually say what he's learned from me. He'd have to be the one that says what he learned. But he sort of brings that across well in the podcast as as well. You know, he's still an entrepreneur uh, who is learning a lot from other mentors around him. But at the same time, he provides extraordinary mentorship back. And, you know, as you get to that place where you've worked together for a very long time, the mentor 
relationship changes and it's not mentor mentee but it's you know mentor mentor mentee mentee whatever you want to call it or just pure mentorship where you're both interacting with each other uh, and learning from each other on this journey through life and that journey you never know where it's going to take you um you know today i'm fortunate enough to work with paul also and talked to him for an hour yesterday and you know, he, he's um, an idea minute guy, right? He, he talked a little bit about that too. Um, you know, has lots of new ideas all the time. I know you have that. I have some of that affliction as well. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear as we got to TA later in a later episode, TA McCann talked a lot about how he deals with an idea minute and his attendee system. Um, so I think that was episode five. But I thought that was one of my favorites because uh, they're all fun. But that one was really cool, it, like talking about sailing and what he learned from sailing. Uh, this is T.A. McCann. And how that influenced his thinking about being an entrepreneur was just really fascinating to me. T.A. Uh, and I ran the Madison Marathon together, I don't know, four or five years ago. Uh, as we ran it, it was through the uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison campus was maybe a third or a half of the marathon. And I got to hear, that was where T.A. trained for, you know, he's a swimmer and trained for a bunch of time. And then his, uh, some of the training that he did on the sailing side was in, in the general area. And I think we spent most of the four and a half hours of the marathon when we were talking, uh, talking about sailing, swimming, training, discipline, uh, the dynamics around these big goals that you have far in the future, but all the ups and downs that it takes to get you there, including the successes and failures, you know, instantiated along the way. As an entrepreneur and as an investor, TA's, my own experience with TA is watching him in this very, very, uh, long view, steady, deliberate, step after step after step uh, frame without being resistant to all of the different things that come at you, which really comes out when he talks about the experience with with the competitive sailing, because who the hell knows what's going to happen, right? It's just crazy minute to minute. And the parallel to entrepreneurship in a lot of ways is very, very similar. If you didn't get a chance to check that one out, uh, there's some great stories about some famous people, including severed thumbs. I wouldn't miss it if I were you. Um, you know the the uh, thing that TA blogged about that he mentioned in the show, the attendee. Um, you know, he said Greg Gottesman, who he works with at Pioneer Square Labs, is the idea minute guy. I said, yeah, I got one of those guys in my world. I might be my co-host, um, <laughs> and he has the system. I'd never heard of it, attendee, um, but it's on TA's blog, and it's you know important things I'm not doing yet. Uh, meaning I want to do it someday. Have, have you seen that system elsewhere? And how, how do you recommend people deal with so many ideas? Well, I do know, I do know TA's uh, attendee thing. He had, to, he had to deal with me also as his investor in a company called GIST. And I have the same affliction, which is uh, a large number of ideas um, all the time about different things. I approach them, and I think most people, Greg, I think, does this too. Greg Ottisman does this too. It's different than strong opinions loosely held, which I think is a terrible phrase. I wrote a blog post about it recently. It's a very different problem when you have lots of ideas because what you're doing when you have lots of ideas is you're giving other people data. If you're not being discriminating about how the data that you're giving them, it's up to them to some degree how to prioritize them. People who are really good at dealing with people like Greg or me sort of on the receiving end of those ideas know two things. One is 
that it's up to them to prioritize, which means that there's an awful lot of things they can toss you know, by the wayside. The other is that the vast majority of the ideas aren't good ones. <laughs> they're, they're ideas. They're not assertions. They're not truths. They're not facts. They're just ideas. Um, and so the need to figure out how to listen to the ideas from your partner who's an idea minute partner or your colleague or your investor or whomever and process it, not toss it all away because then you're going to miss some absolute total gems, but at the same time, not stifle or try to control it because the idea minute person, literally, if you say, look, I can only get one idea from you a day. So pick the best idea. That doesn't work either because then the idea minute person just shuts down and goes and finds some other place for their ideas. So I think TA's approach is a really good one, and it's a, a good example of self-management. I find a lot of times that you know, with with you and our relationship, most of the ideas actually are really good. It's just mm-hmm. impossible to keep up with all of them. And a lot of times, what happens, you know, by just capturing them and thinking about them, is that you end up with a higher level concept, uh, some idea that's an amalgamation of all the other things. Um, and that those can be really powerful because you're kind of getting at the intersection of lots of great ideas, or hopefully there's there's great ones in there. No, I think that's, I think that's well said. Something TA said to me at the very beginning of our relationship, I can't remember if it was in the first couple of months after we made the investment, but he said something akin to, uh, hey, Brad, I appreciate all this product feedback you're giving me. He has a, a wonderful story about how we still hadn't invested and uh, he had just turned me on uh, before Christmas to the latest uh, build of GIST. Uh, and on Christmas Day, I sent him like 15 emails with product feedback. And I think it still amuses him to this day. And I explained to him that as a, as, as a oppressed Jewish kid who never had Christmas, um, what I prefer to do is play with software on Christmas Day when everybody else is opening presents, because that's a really joyful thing for me to do. And uh, he asked me, he said, you know, you're giving me all this product feedback. What do you expect me to do with it? Uh, do, you want, do, you, you know, do you want me to prioritize it? Is it important to you? How do you think about it? And I said, I'm just giving it to you, stuff I see. It's up to you to do whatever you want with it. And you're the CEO. I trust you as the CEO to do whatever you want with it. If you don't want me to send it to you or you want me to send it to somebody else because it's distracting you, just tell me where to send it. If you want me to put it in a database, I'll put it in a database. If you want me to not do it anymore, I'll go play with somebody else's software. And it's that kind of approach. I I think it reflects more on, on TA than on me, which is early in the relationship, he came at me and said, help me define how you want this to work so that ITA understand what your Brad's goals are so that ITA as CEO can then be more effective dealing with your goals. It didn't put them in a one up or a one down relationship with me, but it took control of the interaction so that he could get the best use and the best information from it. Love it. Sounds familiar on some level. Um, in episode four, Brad, you spent a bunch of time with Mary Grove. Um, you've spent a bunch of time in your career with with Mary as well, uh, now at the Rise of the Rest Fund, um, and uh, talked about the power of entrepreneurship globally, kind of growing that through through Google for Entrepreneurs. Um, and I know you've had a really long uh, experience with her. I've worked with her more recently on the Techstars Foundation uh, and found her to be hugely additive. Um, what were your biggest takeaways from talking to Mary? Well, for those people out there that are fans of startup communities and sort of follow the work that I've done with the book and subsequently the work that Techstars has done both with startup communities and around ecosystem development, there are probably 30 or 40 people that have really influenced my thinking over the last decade on this. 
and uh, Mary is near the top of the list. And it's not from huge amounts of time spent together going deep intellectually on things, but rather on observing what she has done and how she has done it, specifically in Google and around Google for Entrepreneurs. I've talked for a long time over the last six or seven years to people about how corporations, uh, large corporations, large companies, tech and otherwise, can be helpful in the context of startup communities. And in 2012, when I wrote uh, Startup Communities, I had some um, ideas about it that I'd say were early. I think Techstars, through you know all the work that uh, David, you've done, and David Brown's done, and the leadership team of Techstars has done, and all the various uh, accelerators that we've done with different corporate partners, has really advanced that thinking for me. But I, I often go back to thinking about Mary in the context of what she did with Google for Entrepreneurs. And when I'm trying to explain to someone in a large corporation how to think about their company overlapping with entrepreneurs um, and how they can be helpful and supportive, entrepreneur-centric, but entrepreneur-centric against the backdrop of uh, their large organization's goals, um, I often use examples that come out of things that I either observed, saw, or experienced uh, that Mary had done and Mary and her team had done at Google for Entrepreneurs. Like in listening to that show, um, one thing I remember being struck by is the sort of gratefulness that she was trying to express. And I just always think, wow, I'm just so happy that you know we've been able to work with you and learn from you. And you know, that's sort of the power of this whole give first thing, right? Is, is, you know, maybe everybody feels like they're doing that, but they're getting so much more in that virtuous cycle. So I really felt that from that particular episode. Uh, my partners at, at Foundry uh, have a specific uh, line that we like to use when we're talking about people, which is that we always want to work with good people. And there's this, uh, I think it emerged from, maybe it was, a full contact mantra at one point, um, but sort of the whole notion of awesome people. I know Bart Lorang and I have talked about that over the years, and uh, hopefully it'll come up when we have him on the podcast at some point. Uh, Bart, for those of you that don't know him, is the CEO of Full Contact. And sort of our good people is on a spectrum. For us, good people is price of admission. We think, you know, we, we like to think we're good people. Uh, when we don't behave as good people, we are open to the feedback around it. Um, but we're really trying to work with other good people. And really, we're trying to work with awesome people. And one of the attributes of awesome people in our frame of reference is that they're appreciative of the experiences that they get. Use me as an example, right? I'm super appreciative of all the people I get to spend time with and work with and all the things I get to do. And yeah, sure, sometimes I have a bad day or I'm in a bad mood or I'm grumpy or I don't behave well or I fail at something and I'm frustrated with myself or other people. Um, But this idea of always trying to be an awesome person and surround yourself with awesome people, it comes back to the thing I said at the very beginning. Uh, I think about Wendy. It's just this notion of humility, this appreciation of the ability that our time on this planet, we get to work with each other on these super interesting things. We are awesome, aren't we? Speak for yourself. Is that the humility you're you're talking about? Yeah, speak for yourself. See, that was... <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, being around all that. I mean, at Techstars, we call it... I, I, I saw what you did there. Did you? Um, <laughs> maybe that was one of those dad jokes that Casey doesn't like. 
I'm not sure. Um, Techstars calls it Awesome People Collection Mode. I don't know where we got it. Maybe we got it from you or Bart. But no, you can get it from me. I think you probably got it from Bart. Yeah, and and it's uh, you know, if you run into an awesome person, you can collect them, get them on the team, get them in your portfolio. Then you just have more awesome people that you're around. And uh, I agree that that sort of that feeling of like thankfulness, gratefulness that you get back from them is is one of the attributes that they seem to have. Um, you know, when when I looked at the first six guests, I'm just glancing at the the page here. Um, we we done pretty well. We have three uh, women that we've had on the show, and we've had three men. So, um, you know, I think that's somewhat intentional, but good balance. And one of those guests in episode six was um, Keisha Cash, um, and we talked with her about uh, mentorship and the opportunity to learn from her mentors that allowed her to get into investing. She she talked about a particular mentor that. And much like Paul uh, Berberian talked about Jack Tankersley, you know, she said this person really opened the door for for her to become an investor, and of course, that's had downstream impact uh, on diversity and inclusion uh, in the world because she, you know, Keisha is now investing in, in so many people and creating so many opportunities herself. So uh, that was a fun one that I enjoyed, and of course, I know you've you've done a lot, Brad, as well um, to promote diversity and inclusion. And uh, I think this is uh, something that um, is, is worth a listen if you haven't had a chance to hear episode six. I, I think in, in addition to sort of the notion of promoting diversity and inclusion, I think it links directly into the idea of mentorship and this notion that anybody who is experienced uh, should try uh, as part of their energy to be as inclusive as they can of other people that are trying to get into uh, the industry that they've got experience in and applies to venture capital, applies to entrepreneurship, applies to a bunch of different things. And uh, I think that one of the, you know, one of the central tenets of startup communities is this idea of being inclusive of anyone who wants to engage at any level. Um, But more importantly, uh, as a mentor, uh, it's been very powerful and very satisfying to me, both emotionally, but also uh, intellectually in terms of my own learning feedback loop, uh, to mentor some uh, younger women who are trying to get into the venture community or are early as venture capitalists. Um, we've been very supportive of all rays uh, since they started, both functionally uh, and financially. And one of the things that I've gotten to do as part of that is every, I think it's every quarter, uh, I get uh, assigned by all rays, um, a, a female VC, all different experiences. They do a good job of matching them up with domains where I can be helpful from a domain perspective. And in that mentoring activity, it's not that I'm talking to the person or trying to teach them anything or just being a network connector for them. Um, But it's a committed, engaged uh, relationship where we spend time talking about specific things that they're struggling with, that particular VC is struggling with in a confidential environment. So I, I just had one of these calls the other day, so it's fresh in my mind. And it reminds me of the importance of two things as a mentor. One is to listen well to the person to understand their context and their reality, because it may be very different than one's own, my own context and reality. And then the flip side is sort of as I engage in that, or in this particular conversation, as I engage in the feedback, I actually learned a bunch from the person who I was mentoring 
based on some dynamics that she was encountering that didn't ever occur to me as a middle-aged white guy. So again, this idea of this feedback loop, where as a mentor, you can learn a lot from the mentee, um, especially when you open your aperture to be more inclusive of other types of people versus just people that you know find you or that you find randomly. So what point, Brad, do you think we go from middle-aged white guy to kind of old white guy? I mean, is, that, is there a moment when that becomes very real for us? I, I started to feel like I'm in that shift. <laughs> it's like all the injuries you get every day. Yeah. Please don't tell my parents uh, because uh, I don't think my mom wants to think of me as old yet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but there is a moment. I For me, I have this like Achilles pull. Like every time I go to play tennis, I'm like, you know, limping around, uh, you know, injuring myself somehow. So I, I'm getting there, I think. I, th- I think that has less to do with the age spectrum and more to do with just being whiny. Is that what it is? So I could work on that then. I can't work on the age, but I can work on the whiny. Stretch more. The age will advance a day at a time. Right. Just stretch more. Even though day is a completely artificial construct, as you know. Indeed. Um, let's see. Uh, you talk about learning. You know, you, you learn something from from you know sort of the interactions with with female VCs uh, or people dealing with different problems than you had. I, I learned um, from Troy. You know, Troy Hanikoff. We did episode three. You know, Troy tells this amazing story, much better than than I will hear uh, in episode three about you know sort of got so much back from an entrepreneur that that you know sort of viewed him as being helpful, um, way way more uh, in his career, and and that articulation of it was really amazing for me because it was about Alex White and Next Big Sound, which was a company we funded, and how you know Troy's perception was that Alex had completely changed the trajectory of his life. And Alex sort of felt the same way. So, so bringing this whole thing full circle, this is the Give First podcast, right? And I think that key message that we're really trying to get through and bring out in these stories is that you know by giving first, uh, there's this cycle. It, it just escalates and comes back in totally unexpected ways. And I thought Troy did a great job of capturing that story, you know, with with uh, Next Big Sound. I think Troy also has a couple of other good stories, one in the podcast about other people where he didn't have an economic relationship, but he still got back massive uh, value um, that he didn't expect. And I think this is something that comes up all the time. I think we struggle or people struggle sometimes with, well, how much energy should I put into something uh, if I don't know what the economically defined outcome is going to be on the front end? And there is often magic that happens when you're willing to across multiple people, across multiple, you know, different contexts and over time, uh, put your own energy into things, but without having to find that transactional construct up front, right? That's the essence of good for give first. But Troy's a great, he's very, he's a great example of it, but very articulate about how that plays out and has played out in his own life. Um, And then he translates it into uh, lots of one-to-one behavior of which I've seen and, and experienced and been involved in plenty of, but in some ways, even more interesting one-to-many behavior. Um, Troy is worked very, very hard uh, at uh, doing content that's unique in very bite-sized chunks. And if, uh, if you're an entrepreneur and you're sort of looking for very you know, quick hit things, um, you know, fundraising or pitching or positioning your company, um, Troy's done a really amazing job uh, for the only reason of he experienced a ton of this and learned a ton of from all of his experiences at Techstars MD in Chicago, uh, and then just wanted to translate it more broadly to a bunch of people without knowing how it would play. 
And he's still so plugged in to Techstars, right? He's he's running math, but he's still showing up and you know top mentor, and you know you end up seeing him everywhere you go and very connected to the system. So it's it's a you know sort of great uh, relationship that just continues to develop over time as the best ones do. So so David, David, if I was listening to if I if I hung in there for the last you know twenty whatever twenty eight minutes that we've been at this, uh, it, it would seem like we actually like these people a lot. You would think. I mean, I, we're probably good actors in that sense. I mean, are, are, are you just being effusive about uh, your adulations for these people? I mean, that's why we have them on the show. We're not going to have people on the show that we think suck, right? We're going to have people on the show that we think you can learn from, that uh, do amazing things, uh, but but represent a cross-section of different uh, points of view. So uh, that is the show for today. Uh, let us know if you like this format or not. Uh, podcasts at techstars.com, if you're still into the email thing, uh, is a great way to do it. Um, we would love to hear, you know, do you like this sort of banter about the past episodes or would you rather hear, hear you know, Brad and I tell dad jokes? Um, let us know your preferences. Uh, let us know if you have thoughts on maybe a guest uh, who should be on the show. And, uh, you know, we'll keep doing it until we find out nobody's listening. That's the plan. David, make sure you bring some sunscreen to Greece. I will do it. I'm going to fly away now. Bye. See ya. Casey always likes it when I eat chips on the show. Right, Casey? (gasps) What is the... Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um... Totally have faces for radio.